right. So I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation to start, and we're going to get into some, some fun stories here in just a second. But the first thing, the first foundation I want to see is I was praying for this message. I was praying for this morning. We make things so complicated sometimes, and we serve a very good God. We just sing about it, that it's your breath in our lungs. We just sing, great are you, Lord. And do we believe that? Do we believe that we serve a good God? And so what I want us to, to just, if you need to write it in your notes or even just listen to it, God sees you. He doesn't see us as just this glob, like, oh, look, it looks like there's a, a glob of people over there, you know, like the army, how they're like infrared things. Like there's, there's some people, there's some movement. I see a heat sensor. That's not the case. God sees us as an individual. He sees you. He sees what you're walking through. He sees you where you're at. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows who you are. He says he called you by name. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us in our room. And his plan is always to prosper us. It is always for us to succeed. It is always, it is never never for us to fail. It is never for us to be destroyed. It is never to, for us to be left in despair. So I want us to get that picture of our God as we start this morning, that we serve an amazing God. Now we may face things that are not so amazing sometimes, but that doesn't change our God. And on that, as we're starting, I, um, sometimes I feel like life just throws things, right? Just thing after thing after thing. And it's like you're hit with one thing and you're hit with another thing and you're hit with another thing. You're like, oh my goodness, right? So I was, I was praying, and um, it was a couple weeks ago when I knew I was going to be speaking this weekend, but then just praying in my personal life, going, God, huh, like I feel like I need to catch my breath, but I feel like it's one thing after another that just hits and hits and hits and hits, and like, what's going on? Where are you? Has anybody ever prayed that? Like, God, I don't see you. Where are you? And so I'm praying that, and I felt like God said, I need you to change your what for your who. I need you to change your what for your who. And I went, what does that mean? And he said, you, you're looking for what I'm not doing or what I am doing and what's going on and you forgot who I am. And who I am doesn't change. What I do does. But who I am doesn't change. And so we're gonna be talking about that this morning and I want us just to, to keep that on the forefront of our mind is am I looking at what or am I looking at who? Because we serve a who God. We serve a God that doesn't change us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. But we can get so focused on the what that we miss who he is. And we get so focused on what we're not seeing or, or what's not happening or what we are seeing sometimes makes us go all kinds of crazy. But we serve a who God. So who is our God? And that who doesn't change. Um, we left for... California last week to head out to a rodeo and uh Oren was following me in the semi and I had the pickup in the trailer and then Jerry was in front of us and we're nine miles from the fairgrounds in California we're going to San Diego is where we were rodeoing and uh Oren gets on the CB and he said Shelb what's uh what's smoking I'm like I don't know because my pickup's not hot and I'm, I'm looking at my gauges are fine it doesn't smell hot so I thought well maybe because we had just come down a big hill, I thought, well, maybe I caught the trailer brakes on fire or something. So I rolled down the window and I'm looking back to try to, and as I'm looking back out the side of my wheel well, I can see all this smoke coming out and some wires that came loose and shorted out on the driveline and caught the underneath of the pickup on fire. As we're, and we're nine miles away. I'm like, seriously? Like I couldn't just get there. And so we decided we'd been driving for two days and, uh, we, we, Oren goes, get off to the right. I'm like, there is no right. Cause there's like a curb and a rock cliff. And then there's another lane and then an actual cliff. So I'm going, what, which right? 
do I want? So I, I try to just get over the curb because we're coming around a corner up a hill and it's pretty narrow, the road in general, but like you can't really get out of the way from oncoming traffic. And I mean, we're in California. Did I mention that? So the drivers are perfect. Um, and so I get off the road and over the curve and the pickup just stops moving. And so I turn it off and Oren comes and, and he opens the hood. Well, everything underneath, not the motor, not the motor, not the transmission, but everything behind there, all of that's on fire. And so we're trying to get water. He runs and gets the fire extinguisher after the, out of the semi and it doesn't work. Um, all of them have since been replaced, but it didn't work. And so then we're like, well, what now? So we're throwing stuff. I mean, anything we have, the dog's water, just whatever was there, we're trying to get on it. Well, there's a cooler completely full of Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew on the back of the pickup. So we grabbed it and we dumped Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew on the entire fire. We got it out with Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew. So the fire's out at this point. The fire, the fire um, department shows up and they spray down the pickup several times. They're trying to get it out. We got to get the pickup moved. We're still stuck on the side of the road. And it's just like, ugh, you know, that why is this happening kind of thing, right? So we're frustrated. And first service, I said, the first thing Oren came and told me was that he's really glad we had full coverage. But he came and corrected me after service and said, the first thing I said is, are you okay? So that everybody knows I'm not a jerk. So in case you were wondering, he did come ask me if I was okay after it happened. <laughs> but the next thing he said was, I am so glad that you made us get full coverage. So we get this pickup and we go to get our insurance. And um, Oren says, I think we just need liability. You know, because it's much cheaper that way. And I said, no, I really think we should put full coverage on this. He says, I think we'd be all right with liability. Mm, I really think we should get full coverage. So we ended up getting full coverage. He was very thankful for that after the pickup lit on fire. So I told everybody first service, guys, listen to your wives. Wisdom is a she in Proverbs. I just need you to know, listen to them. Okay. So there's just wisdom there. So we have full coverage on the pickup. So the pickup, we call the insurance guy. We got it taken care of. It stayed in California. It has a new home somewhere. Sad, I'm sure. Um, and we'll figure out a new pickup later. But we had full coverage. That's what I want to get to. But here's what I want to talk about um, with that story. And we're going to relate back to that story a lot because there's just this practical analogy I want to use in it. But we paid every single month for full coverage insurance. So when I called my agent... And I don't have State Farm, so I can't even sing you a cool song. But my, my insurance doesn't have a song. So I was kind of sad because I kind of wanted to sing the jingle on the side of the road, but there wasn't one. But I pay every single month for insurance. I call my agent and I say, hey, this happened. What do you think you did? Pretended that like, no, I'm sorry, you don't have insurance. Or no, right away. He's like, of course, I looked up your number. Let's get the claim filed. I got you taken care of. He like, had us taken care of in days. Like he was awesome. So this was this amazing thing. But here's my question. Because I got insurance on my pickup, does that mean I won't have an accident? No, that's not what insurance means. I got full coverage. So then my, I never wreck and nothing bad ever happens to my pickup. No, I got full coverage. So when something happens, it's covered, right? Okay. But in our Christian walk, so many times we think that, well, I know Jesus now, so there shouldn't be anything bad that happens to me because I got full coverage, right? That's how, we, that's how we approach something bad happens and we're like, God, 
Like I gave my life to you. Where are you at? No, that's not, that's not how insurance works. I got insurance that my pickup was covered when something happened because it's inevitable. Something's gonna happen, right? The Bible says, in this world, you will have trouble. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So things are gonna happen. Stuff's gonna come at us. We're gonna walk through things. We're gonna struggle. We're gonna face things we didn't think we faced. We're gonna face things we don't even understand. It's gonna happen. But what God did way beforehand was he sent Jesus so that Jesus would die and we have a full coverage insurance plan, right? So then when we're walking through things, we go, God, and we have that grace to be able to walk through them. But we do have a choice and that's what I wanna get to and we're gonna get back to that story and all of this is gonna make sense in just a minute. But first of all, we serve a good God. We serve a God that's out to prosper us. We serve a God that's out for our good. He works everything to our good. He is for us and he's not against us, right? That's the kind of God that we serve. So secondly, we have to make the choice. So point number one is that, and we have like two sets of points, so good luck keeping up. It'll be fine. Um, point number one is that we serve a good God. Point number two in that is that the choice is mine though. In Deuteronomy, it says that life and death have been set before you choose life. We have the choice. God didn't create a bunch of robots. Death doesn't get to choose me. Life doesn't get to choose me. I choose life. I choose death. I have free will. I get the opportunity to choose life. I can choose liability or I can choose full coverage. I have the ability to know which insurance I'm putting on my pickup. I have the ability to choose Jesus or to choose the world. And so everybody say, I have a choice. All right, so point number one was we serve a good God. We should probably say that out loud. We serve a good God. All right, and I have a choice. Okay, and it's inevitable we're gonna face problems, right? So point number three, I'm gonna face a problem. Oh, that was a sad point. We liked the other two better, didn't we? I know. Some of you don't believe it yet, but problems are coming. <laughs> if they haven't hit you yet. All right, so maybe we should try that again. I'm gonna face a problem. All right, good work, good work. All right. So it's not problem-free. God's plan is not problem-free. In John 16, 33, it says that in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. Or I wanna actually read the whole thing because there's a lot of little keywords in there. So let's go to John 16, 33. Awesome. It says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then um, the Bible also tells us that we be in the world, but not of the world, right? Okay, so in me, you will have peace, right? In Jesus, we have peace, but in the world, we'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He has already overcome it. Okay, but here's the question. Here's where we're gonna go back to point number two, is that I have the choice to choose him. I have the choice to choose him. That's on me. I get to choose that. I have the choice to pick insurance. I have the choice to pick Jesus. It, it, that's, that's me. It, just because I'm facing trouble and I didn't pick Jesus, right? So I have the choice to pick Jesus. So our commitment and relationship before the trial will result in how much we see him in the trial. Our commitment and our relationship before the trial will result in how much we see him in the trial. We're gonna um, go through a story really quick. We're actually gonna go through two. So there's gonna be three stories going at the same time. So girls, I know you'll keep up with me, no problem. Guys, you gotta focus with me, okay? 
three things all at once. You can do it, I promise, okay? If you need moral support, your wife will tap you on the, on the, on the shoulder or elbow you, whichever. All right, so let's flip over to Daniel 1.5, and we're gonna read a quick story about some guys that also had some fire insurance. Bless you. All right, we're gonna start in verse five, and it says, and the king appointed for them daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. He gave Daniel the name of uh, Belshazzar and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Do you guys do that when you go to the dessert bar? Like, I will not defile myself. (laughs) Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward of whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit. So deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better, fatter in flesh, and all the young men who had ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portions of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Poor guys. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. All right, so we're getting to our insurance story, I promise, but this is very important with this. Okay, point number one, your second set of points of point number one is that they did not eat what the world ate. Okay, there were two things, is that the world was eating this. The king told them that they needed to eat this. And they knew because the food that the king was giving them, he was actually offering to idols as well. And so um, Daniel knew that. So he's like, no, I'm not gonna touch something that's being offered to another God because I serve one God. And so he didn't eat. Him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't eat what the world was eating. And so in our first point, what are we eating? Are we eating the word every single day or are we eating what the world's eating? And if you think about them eating physically, they eat several times a day, right? So what are we filling ourselves with? Are we filling ourselves with the word of God? Are we filling ourselves consistently with the word? Are we filling ourselves with something with some substance? It says that they were 10 times. um, He found them 10 times better 
10 times better because they were filling themselves with something of substance. When we fill ourselves with the word of God, there's wisdom to go beyond what earthly wisdom can give us. We have understanding beyond. We have peace beyond. We have strength beyond. We have faith beyond. But then it also, I mean, if it helps your physical appearance, I mean, we should all jump on that one. But they were eating it consistently and they chose to feed on that and not what the world was feeding them. Anything that we settle and we feed ourselves in the world can never compare to what we can feed ourselves with God because this is what Daniel knew. Daniel knew that it was more than just doing what the king had him there to do. He was there because God had a plan and a purpose for his life. Each and every one of us, we just talked about how God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And so there's more for us to do than just be a mom, just be a wife, just be an employee, just be an employer, just be a business owner. Whatever it may be, there's more because God has a plan and a purpose in our life that is beyond just our surface definition of life. And Daniel knew, I need something with some substance so I not only just do what I'm here to do, but I can go beyond and do what God's asked me to do. Because just with the substance of the world, he would have never walked into the lion's den. But in the substance of the word, he knew, I have what God needs me to have so I can walk in here in faith. We have the same option that it's not just, I don't need just uh, enough strength to get through the day, but I need more than enough so that I can see people the way God sees, that I can answer people the way God wants me to answer, that I can see and face the situations that I'm going to face in life the way God needs me to see them, that I can grow through some things, but we've got to feed ourselves. And the whole purpose of today's message is that we need a daily relationship with God, but we have the choice to do so. We have the choice to do so, that every single day I have the choice to be in the word. Every single day I have the choice. I'm going to feed myself one way or another. That's what sometimes we don't understand is that we're either feeding ourselves with the word or we're feeding ourselves with the world. It's one or the other. It's not just I forgot to read my Bible today. Instead, the definition of what you're saying is I chose to feed myself on the world today because that's the only two choices there are. There's not a middle ground. We either feed on the word or we feed on the world and the results are going to come forth either way. So point number one, they did not eat what the world ate. Psalm 34 says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then um, it, the Bible also says that come out from among them and be separate and do not touch what is unclean. So let's go forward a little bit in our story and look at what they did next. Let's go to 3, 1, and I'm going to paraphrase, but you can write in your notes, it's 3, 1 through 29, and I'm going to paraphrase what happens next. King Nebuchadnezzar decides, I'm going to build a gold image. This is going to be our source. This is going to be our safe place. This is going to be the thing that we worship. Okay, so he builds this gold image, and he puts a decree through the nation that every time that they hear the music, that they're going to bow down and they're going to worship this golden image. Okay, this is their source. So your point number two for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they did not worship what the world worshiped. They did not worship what the world worshiped. That they said, that they chose, that is not my source. My source is God. And so I would ask, and putting that into our personal lives, what is our source? What are we running to? Is money solving our problems? Is that what we're, we're worshiping when things get hard? What solves it? If I could say, what could solve your problems right now? Would it be money? Would it be a relationship? Would it be drugs? Would it be alcohol? What would it be? Or would it be, I need Jesus more than anything. My source is Jesus. But do we live like it? Because again, we have a choice. We can say Jesus all day long where we're like, Jesus, hold on. I just got to go get one more dollar. Are we truly, truly making the choice? to feed ourselves on the world, but are we worshiping what the world worships or are idolizing what the world idolizes or are we worshiping God? Because these guys said, 
We choose to worship God. We choose to worship God. The, the, the nation can worship whatever they want. Everybody else can worship whatever they want, but I'm gonna worship my God. Is that our decision? Is that what our lives look like? Do we take the time? Matthew 6, says, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom, not last, not second, not third. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So that point number two is they did not worship what the world worshiped. All right. And this is where we're going to say this point and then get into our, our third story. See, we're transitioning slowly. All right, so in verse um, 16. So they get in trouble because they weren't worshiping. They got tattled on. So the king calls them in and he's super upset with them. But I love how they answer him. You know, have anybody ever been questioned because of your commitment to God? Why do you tithe? Why are you just believing God for that? Go buy it. Why are you doing it that way? It doesn't make any sense. Of course not. I'm doing it right then. It doesn't make sense to do it God's way. It doesn't make sense to give up your Sunday morning. It doesn't make sense to do this. It doesn't make sense to do that. Why are you, why are you waiting till marriage? Why are you doing things? Why? why? The world's going to ask you all those questions because they just see what you're missing out on. But they're missing the eternal God that we serve. And so... Nebuchadnezzar does just that. And I love their answer. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We have no need to answer you in this matter. That I go, when I, my relationship with God is questioned, when, when I'm doing everything I know to do according to the word of God and it's questioned, we don't have to answer the world. We don't have to answer and explain ourselves. We don't have to justify ourselves. We have no need to answer you in this matter. Because I'm here with my relationship with God. Um, but then here's what they say next, and this is powerful. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. We will not. No compromise. But look at what they're able to say so boldly. That basically, they're like, bring it on right? They go, we know who we serve. Okay, I want to go back to the insurance story, then we're going to transition to a, a third story to kind of drive this point home and explain something here. Okay, I have full coverage insurance because I pay every single month, right? There's a certain amount of money that I have to pay in order to know without a doubt that when my pickup burns up, I can call the insurance and they're going to cover it. Had I not been paying that money, I couldn't wait and call like my pickups on fire and be like, so do you think I could add my uh, 2008 Dodge to my full coverage insurance, please? And be like, no, I can probably smell the smoke through the phone. They know everything. Okay. But I can't add it halfway through. I had to be paying before. And I promise you, when I picked up the phone to call my agent, I had no question whether or not they were going to cover my pickup. Right. They were going to cover it because I pay for it. Okay, this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew. They said, we know how faithful we've been to our God. We chose to feed on the word. We did not feed on the world. We choose to worship our God. We did not choose to worship what the world was worshiping. They knew the price that they had paid up until this point, a price that they were willing to pay, a price that they wanted to pay because they knew that we know who God is. We know who he is and who he is to us. And now when we're walking through the fire, he doesn't change. They had no question that their God's faithfulness was going to change at that point. They were boldly able to say, bring on the fire. 
right? I told first service, um, they were walking into the fire. You know that, that, that song, you know, fire. You knew, you wanted, like, you wanted to know where that came from? It was actually Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were walking in, they were singing it the whole way. That's how they were getting in there. I know, you can picture it. It's really great. And I'm sure that's how they sing. Like I hear the voices, it's, it's perfect. That's how they were walking into the fire because they knew God's gonna be there. It was not a question. They did not say in this verse, um, if that is the case, our God whom we serve um, might be able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he maybe will deliver us from your hand too. There wasn't a question in their voice. They knew he's gonna deliver us from the fire and from you. Just double, right? And it wasn't a question, why? Because they took the time and paid the price to know who he was. They took the time and paid the price. And the who is the key part there. They knew who he was. It was not going to change. They knew exactly who he was. Now let's look at a third story here. So Jesus fed the 5,000. And then he sends the disciples on a boat. And things get a little tough. They face a storm. Not a fire. They face a storm. They weren't singing oceans. Um, they were a little more afraid than that. So they're in the middle on this boat. Everything's going crazy. They just saw a miracle, but they're freaking out, right? Freaking out. Well, here comes Jesus walking on the water because maybe Jesus wanted to reveal himself in a new way in their storm that he had never revealed himself before. A lot of times Jesus wants to reveal himself in our storms in a way that we've never seen him before. But here's the problem. The disciples were just kind of high rollers because they just like hot rod miracle to miracle. Like, what's next? And they just check it out. But they never took the time to know Jesus. They never took the time to actually get to know him as a person and who he was. They knew what he did. They could tell you all the miracles, probably in like order and in great detail. But they didn't know who he was. And so they get out here and here comes Jesus. And what happened? They didn't recognize Jesus in their storm. They didn't know who he was. He's walking right at them. But because they knew what and were focused on what and they didn't know the who, they weren't there going, I know my Jesus is gonna show up. They weren't out there going, what storm? They, they weren't. They were freaking out. And when Jesus is in their storm, he's walking right to them. They don't recognize him. How often do we not recognize Jesus in our storms? When we're facing things and we go, God, where are you? Jesus, I don't see you. Jesus, why? Because what we think he should be doing, he's not doing? Or like, why'd you send me over here when you knew I was gonna die? That's what they were thinking. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that didn't cross their mind. They're like, no, bring the fire on, baby, I'm in. I know who's going to be there with me. The disciples were not because they forgot to know who. And here's how I know that. I didn't just make it up because as soon as they get to the other side and in all the gospels that you read, the same thing happens when they get to the other side. Jesus says, who do they say that I am? And then he looks at Peter and says, who do you say that I am? Peter had to answer a few times and the people that he said, who do they say that I am? Peter answered what they said too but they missed who he was. They didn't catch on to who Jesus was and because they were focused on the what instead of the who, they didn't recognize Jesus showing up 
in their storm. We said at the beginning that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. So he's always there. But our choices before our battles, our choices before our trials, our choices that we make to go, am I putting the time in to have full coverage insurance and know who Jesus is or the time that I'm not taking and I just know what he does, then when I get into a battle, then I might not recognize Jesus. Then I might not even know that he's shown up. Versus knowing, I don't care what I face. I know my Jesus. I know the price that I have paid. And I have full coverage insurance regardless of what I'm walking through. But the disciples saw something different. And they encountered something different. And Jesus told them, oh, ye of little faith. He didn't tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that. But he said, oh, ye of little faith. Because they knew what he did and what he wasn't doing and what was going on in their life. And they forgot who he was. And just miss that all the time. Okay, and this is the amazing thing to me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have Jesus actually there to talk to. The disciples did. Like they would like hug him and like knuckles and high five and probably fade like catch or something. But like he was there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have him physically there. But they still chose to find out who he was based on what had happened before him, based on who he had been to the people before them. They chose to study. They found out who he was. The disciples had him there. And I wonder if sometimes we have it too easy because we have Jesus here and Jesus is in our heart. And we learn that when we're three. But we never push forward. We never develop that relationship. We never drive to go, I want to know who he is, not just what he does. I don't want to just sit here and be with Jesus, like be his homie while he's doing all this cool stuff. No, I want to know exactly who he is. Because we've, we've learned before that by knowing who he is, he tells me who I am. And so the disciples didn't even know what Jesus had put on the inside of them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew exactly the boldness and the strength they had on the inside of him because they knew who he was. But the disciples had no clue what was on the inside of them because they didn't know who he was. They just knew what he did. So if Jesus shows up, he can fix it. But they're like, oh, he's already there and they didn't recognize him. And sometimes we're going, God, if you would just show up and fix this. He's like, I'm already there. You just don't see me. Linda. That's what our G, that's where, that's where we're at. Okay, so point number three said, because they knew who God was, they had no question that he would show up on their behalf. They had a jingle. Like they got in the fire and were like, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jesus was there. Nahum 1.7 says that the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Well, because they knew, that's point number three, because they knew who God was, they had no question that he would show up on their behalf. All right, let's keep going in our story here. In verse uh, 25, it says, Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Okay, this is amazing to me. Okay, amazing. These guys are walking through a fire. And if you translate that to our time, we're walking through a trial, we're walking through a battle, we're walking through something because we're facing some stuff. And the guy that built the golden image and put him in the fire is the same guy going, they're walking through that with God, without a question. When we walk through battles, when we walk through trials in our life, do the people around us know without a doubt that Jesus is standing right there with us? 
because it wasn't. It didn't say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, oh, what's up, Jesus? That's not what it says. It says Nebuchadnezzar said, because what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't in question. They weren't surprised Jesus showed up. They knew he was gonna show up. But Nebuchadnezzar was like, oh my gosh, I can see without a shadow of a doubt who's in there with them. When we walk through things and see the importance between what, the who and the what, because if we take the time to get a relationship with Jesus, when we take the time to develop that relationship with Jesus and on a daily basis, we want to know who he is and we dive into who he is and we pursue who he is. Then when we get in a fire, it's not a doubt whether or not he's going to show up and everybody around us knows <laughs> I can't even question that Jesus is standing in that battle with them because of who he was. But when we get in a what, we question who he is. We don't even recognize him. And so there's two ways that we're going to face the battle based on our relationship with Jesus. If we know what and everything what about him, we won't recognize him when he even does show up. But when we know who, we walk through the trial with boldness and we walk through the trial in strength and we walk through it in faith and the people around us can't question whether or not Jesus is standing there with us. And so point number four, because of who they chose to stand with before the fire, revealed to everyone else who was standing with them in the fire. Because of who they chose to stand with before the fire, revealed to everyone else who was standing with them in the fire. They were faithful in their relationship with him. And so they knew he was gonna show up. But we gotta choose before our battles. We gotta choose before our trials. We gotta choose and take ownership of our relationship with God that we're not gonna go another day without pursuing who he is. That every single day, we're gonna spend time in the word. Every single day, we're gonna spend time in prayer because I don't wanna face life without you. And back to the beginning when we were talking about what a good God we serve, God doesn't want us to face things without him. It's not that he wants us to be robots. It's not that he wants to ruin our lives. He knows that with or without me, you're gonna face battles and you're gonna face trials and you're gonna face things. And I would much rather you have the strength that I already predestined for you to have than for you to try to find it on your own because we forfeit the fullness of what God has for us. We forfeit the fullness. How cool for the disciples if they would have just known who he was to go, where's Jesus? Like they would have known he was gonna show up because he wouldn't leave us but they questioned it. And it's so easy for us to do the exact same thing. All right, let's go down to 27. It says, And the satraps and administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. The fire, so point number five, the fire had no power. The fire had no power. Everybody got that? Fire had no power. Okay, when my pickup caught on fire, the smell was awful. And like a couple days later, we go to clean it out and it's still equally as awful. We had to like, we took bedding because they had us a camper out there. We had to get rid of all the bedding, buy all new bedding because the smell is horrible. My insurance guy said, if it filled with smoke, I'm going to total it for the smell alone. He said, you're never going to get it out. He said, it ruins your pickup. The smell, what do we smell like when we walk out of a battle? If we've been, it says that the presence of God is a sweet smelling aroma, 
right? So if we've been in the presence of God before the fire, and then we're in the presence of God while we're in the fire, and then we're in the presence of God after the fire, that smell doesn't change. It's still a sweet smelling aroma. Or do we come out of our battles smelling like fear and doubt and worry and unbelief and discouragement and bitterness and anger? What do we come out smelling like? Do we smell like the presence because we never left the presence? Or do we smell like something else because we fed on the, on the world instead of the word? What do we smell like when we come out? Because the fire can't touch us when we're in there in the presence of God. And that's what it said here. The fire couldn't even touch them. And then point number six. They didn't focus on the temporal fire. They didn't focus on the temporal fire. See, they didn't get out. They would have missed the miracle if the entire time they were in the battle, it was why are we facing this? We spent all our time worshiping God before. We've spent this whole time we're here eating not the good food. We like gave up cupcakes and ate veggie straws and I'm still in fire. And that, that's how they could have looked at it. Many of us might face it that way. Like, God, I'm doing everything I know to do and I'm still facing stuff. It's like me calling my insurance agent and going, I paid for full coverage and my pickup caught on fire. What are you doing? Be like, like, you're on crack. Like, I don't know what your problem is. And that's exactly what they would have thought that I was. Okay, we're going to walk through things. We're going to face things. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't questioning why the fire. They were like, watch who shows up next. And they got out. And it said the entire nation that there was a new decree that they would worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The entire nation, they would worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So in our battles, are we so focused on the what? Are we so focused on why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? Why is this so hard? Are we so focused on the fact that who God is and that he's standing right there in the middle of it, that the circumstances don't change God and the circumstances don't change his plan for me and the circumstances actually bring me closer to God as we saw with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was closer to them than he's ever been before in the battle. And when they came out on the other side that he was still equally as close and stronger, and more faith. And so that in our battles, and in the trials, and in the things that we're facing, are we prepared for them ahead of time? Are we, are we paying what it takes? Let's flip over to uh, 2 Corinthians It says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then go down to 16, and it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we serve an eternal God. This is the, the picture I want us to see here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That had they not, see, because there's always a bigger picture to our life. It's not about us. There's a bigger picture to who we are. There's a bigger picture to everything that we do. It's not just what is God doing for me, but it's how can I be used by God? 
and who he is because who he is shows who I am and then I could be who God has created me to be and predestined me and called me and chose me way before I was in my mother's womb. And the same is true for each and every one of us in this room. But look at the effects because of the diligence of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They chose to eat of the word. They chose to worship. They chose to worship God, not what the world was worshiping. They chose to worship God. And in doing so, they could face the battles and the circumstances of life. Now, I'm not saying they didn't have any emotion. God created emotion. I'm sure they had all sorts of emotion. But they knew who their God was and that he was going to be standing there right there with them. And that in the battles and the things that they faced in life, that they knew Jesus was going to be right there with them. And because they knew who he was beforehand and who he was in the fire, when they got out to the other side, an entire nation worshiped their God. And I wonder when we face things in our lives that if we just knew without a shadow of a doubt because we've spent the time and we've paid the price. Um, after our, our pickup burned up, every single person we talked to, Oren said, do you have full coverage on your pickup? I, I highly recommend it. And then we would talk to somebody else and he'd go, do you, do you have full coverage on your pickup? I really recommend it. Why? Because we could have been at a loss. That could have been incredibly devastating. But because we had full coverage, we're taken care of. And every single person. But then he said something else with that. He'd be like, be on the phone behind the trailer. And I'd walk around and he's like, do you have full coverage? I'm like, are you like calling all your contacts? Like, what are you doing? But he's talking to him. Well, then he'd say, who's your insurance agent? I highly recommend mine. And so my question is, when we're walking through battles and we're walking through trials, can we say, do you have full coverage and who's your insurance agent? Because we know ours didn't mess it. If my insurance agent wouldn't have came through, I would not have recommended him at all, ever, anywhere. But instead, I wrote him an amazing review because he was awesome. But when we're facing things in life, do we come out on the other side and go, do you have full coverage? Who's your agent? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, do you guys have full coverage? Do you see why we worshiped God? Do you see when you questioned me? Do you see all those things all that time when I chose not to eat what you were eating and worship what you were worshiping? Did you see where it got me? It walked me through the fire. It was there. He was there with me. He didn't leave me. And now on the other side, I'm through. I'm clear through on this side. And I go, let me tell you who my agent is. And let me tell you what insurance I have because everybody needs full coverage. Because that's the God we serve. And so in closing, this is what I would ask you. Do you know what about your God or do you know who he is? Do we spend time every single day pursuing a relationship with him? Because here's where it's at. The choice is ours. And I don't say this because the Bible says you need to read 30, 100, whatever minutes a day. That's not what it says. I tell you this because I say that God wants us to be able to walk through things. God wants us to be able to face things in life and come out on the other side, not smelling like smoke. He wants to get us on the other side and go, let's get someone else, my agency. <laughs> Hand out my card because we know he's there. But we've got to pay the price. I pay full coverage every single month. We have to pay full price every single day to be able to walk in the full coverage. It's always there. It's always available. But without knowing who he is, we don't have access to it. We don't have access of our policy. I would encourage you, find out what your insurance policy is. What happened on the cross? Why did it happen? Why does God want a relationship with us? 
He doesn't want us to face things the way the rest of the world needs to face them. His what is always going to change. How he does it is always going to change. But what we know is he's always there. And what we know that he, his person, who he is, can never change. And that's what we need to know as we move forward. So can we take the challenge together to say, I'm not gonna miss a day. I'm going to build a relationship with Jesus. I want to know who he is. Every time that we choose the world over what Jesus has to offer, we forfeit the fullness of what he has for us. Every time.